Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. morning church i hope everybody's doing great on this sunday morning it's so good to be coming live from our kendall campus joining you today hey for those of you that don't know me let me just introduce myself real quick my name is rich i have the pleasure of being campus pastors here with my beautiful wife yoli overseeing our west campus and we just have the pleasure of being a part of this church and coming and enjoying this with you today i want to take one moment as we're getting ready to wrap up this series to just give honor where honors due, I just want to shout out our lead pastors, Pastor Alex and Diana. The, the way they've led this church through this pandemic, as they've said from the beginning, hey, this church has never closed. We have always been there. We're going to keep going. We're actually growing because we launched our online campus, which is making all this possible that we can come to you today. So in the, in the chat, you know what? Put up some fire emoji, some strong emojis, whichever one you love giving them a shout out and telling you how much you love them. Well, you know, we've been going through this family reunion series and today we're wrapping it up with part four. You know, the first few we've gone through different issues that we may be dealing with individually, how that's going to affect our family. Then we have to look at some of the dynamics and and things that we're going to go through as married couples, as parents, even on the side of the children, because the whole family unit and dynamic is affected by any one member within our family. So we've been able to look at that through this entire series. And, and today, I'm going to wrap it up and kind of look at how is it that as a family, are we going to navigate through the dynamics of unexpected, unforeseen, or trials that we're going to come through and how we can deal with them as one family unit. And whatever your family looks like, you may be a single dad, single mom, you may be living with grandparents, whatever it is, we can have certain play, things in place that we can do as a family, to navigate through these times. Well, today I'm going to be sharing a a message with you that I've entitled, I'm Here for You. So yeah, it might sound like a little bit like a song, but I'm not going to sing for you. But it's, 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 it's based on the idea that I'm here for you. Well, as we get ready, let's just take one moment. Let's go to God. Let's give him this time because this is his message, his moment. And let's just thank him for what we have here today. So Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, We just can't thank you enough that we get to do this. We don't have to do this, but you allow us to come in to your fold and build your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity of online campus. Lord, that we just continue to reach people. Lord, that I pray that we're reaching people not only in our city, not only in our state, not only in our country, but around the world today, Lord. I pray that lives are impacted, lives are saved. Lord, I pray that you take anything out of this message you don't want. And I'm just merely a microphone for what it is that you want to tell everybody today. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your precious name we pray. Everybody says amen and amen. Well, I'm not going to lie. When, when Pastor Alex said, hey, we're going to be doing a series on family reunion. Well, me, my mind wanders sometimes. I immediately went to this image of that traditional family reunion. Now, I don't know if your family's ever done these. My family used to have a couple of them. If not an actual reunion, we used to have like big Christmas parties where everybody would get together and come out. Now, my wife's family, they would take it up a notch. Almost every year, they would get together at some park. All the primos, sobrinos, all the, you know, because my wife's Cuban. So she, she found the one gringo in Miami. So she, they would all get together. 
And they would have this big family reunion. Now, it's not only enough to get together. No, 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 no. They would make the matching T-shirts, had the year, had the family name, because just getting together is not enough. Got to take it up a notch. Well, I don't know about in your family, but in my family reunion, and my wife's the same, uh, when you would get together, there was always this sense of excitement, but also this sense of nervousness. Why? Because there's always that one, two, or three family members, we all have them, that you're just waiting for the time to come when they're going to make the whole thing awkward. It's, now, now, once again, just being real, this could be maybe because after a few hours, they've had a couple over 21 beverages that are, you know, going to give them a kind of courage to talk through, or maybe it's just that crazy, maybe it's even your parents, because I know my kids say I'm the crazy one, that you know at some point they're going to make it awkward. But you know, the funny thing is, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. You inherit them, whether you like them or not, whether you see them all the time or not. Family is family. So that, that's where my mind went. Now, now, obviously, Pastors Alex and Diana had the concept that, no, the family reunion is about coming together, reuniting, and being a family unit. But that's where my mind always goes. And, you know, that can just be one of those awkward situations. But what happens when those awkward situations are in your house, in your family? They show up at your doorstep. How are we going to deal with those times? Well, we're going to read out of Colossians chapter 3. That's been our base verses for this entire series. So if you want to go ahead and start turning there to Colossians chapter 3. And I, I hope all of you guys at home have your Bibles in hand. I can't see you, but I'm going to trust you. And you know what? Get your Bibles out. I know most of us have it on our phone. Digital is great, but leather is better. You guys need to have your Bible in your hand. So let's get ready. So we're going to be picking it up in verse 12. We're going to read through a few verses here. And then we're going to get into this message. So picking it up in verse 12, it reads, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on the tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all things, put on love, which is in the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the, Lord of, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, wives... Submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. And I love this one. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. You want to please God, kids. And wrapping it up in verse 21, it says, Fathers, right back on me, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. You know, that is beautiful because those verses kind of wrap up how the family units should operate, how we should be. It looks at the fact of how we should deal internally with one another and then looks also at how we should be acting externally with one another. So I love the fact that just in those nine verses, we get a beautiful picture of how we should be operating as a family. Well, I, I want us to see that what are we going to do as a family unit? What are some things that we can do? I want to share four points with you guys today, kind of like ideas, concepts, of what it is we can do as a family unit to better protect ourselves, to be better strengthened, and to learn how to navigate through these times. In fact, if I could sum it up in one big takeaway for, the, for today, I would say it like this. 
as a family, we can build an internal strength that can withstand external forces. You, you see, if, if we can build from within, knowing that we're going to be facing those external forces, it doesn't mean that we're not going to run into things. But what it does mean is that we can build a foundation to be able to deal with them as a family unit in order to protect one another. Well, with that in mind, the first point I want to look at is we need to prepare before trials come. You know, I think too many times we want to kind of sit back and wait until something is at our doorstep. Well, well, that's not the time. That's not the reality. That, that's not where we should be approaching it from. In fact, I, I love one of my favorite verses. It's simple. It's right at the beginning of the, the, the book of James. It's in chapter 1, verse 2. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Now, now, a lot of us, when we read that one, we try and look at certain words in there that stand out. And I know most of us sit there and say, count it all joy. Count, and why would we count it all joy? No, no, no. Actually, there's only one word that I really key in on on that verse when it comes to me as a dad and me as a member of a family. And it's the word when. Because we need to understand and be prepared that we can't just sit back on our heels and wait for something to happen. We need to know that when it comes, am I ready? I'll give you an example, kind of an idea about this. Recently, we dropped off our oldest son, who's now 21, to the Navy. Now, I know what you're thinking. I must have started having kids at 10 years old, but no, I didn't. We actually have adult children. The grays aren't showing very much. But... You know, we're a proud mom and dad because we dropped off our son to the Navy. And I know that he's off doing training. I'm not going to lie. I've watched some of the videos of what they do, and I'm kind of jealous. I kind of would have liked to have gone with him. But what's beautiful is not only is he going to serve our country, but he's going to serve in an institution that understands the purpose and the importance of preparation, of getting ready for something. You see, why do we feel safe in this country? Because we know that we have a military force that is out there training learning, teaching, getting ready for all these things, not knowing whether or not a war is going to come on our doorstep. But you better believe if it decides to show up, it's going to be met with a force that's equally back at them. It's not going to allow them to just come in and do whatever they want. No, we're going to have a force that is prepared, trained, strengthened, and ready. Well, I ask, what is wrong with doing that in our own home? What is wrong with being prepared in our own family? You know, I know that my daughter's told me a couple times, you know, Dad, you've ruined me. And I'm like, why? She goes, the, the, the standard you've given me for looking at the world, I, I see the world through these eyes of it's fraught with danger. There's all kinds of stuff out there that's coming after me. And I'm like, good. Then I did my job. Now, I, I've never taught my children not to love on others. We, we've been blessed that since we've given our lives to the Lord, we've raised our household on the standards of God and what he teaches. Does that mean I do everything perfect? No. Do I read the Bible to my kids as much as I should? No. Do I pray as much as I should? No. But I do not stop growing and learning how to do that. So I'm going to teach my kids the same thing. I'm going to shower that same kind of thing over my wife. I want my family to be prepared that we're a strong unit, just like the military or just like warriors, that if something comes at our doorstep, I'm ready. I'm not taking that time. That's not the time to have a game plan. That's not the time to deal with it. When it's at my doorstep, it's too late. I'm either ready or I'm not. And that's what we need to be doing as a family unit. Do you guys talk about things? Communication is key. I, we always hear it when we talk about marriages and we've all read books about it. Oh, communication's key. I don't think we emphasize that enough on the entire family. 
as a dad, as a mom, do you talk to your kids? Don't just get them to report the news after their day. Read your child. If your child comes home and normally they're talkative, and today they just tell you two things and walk away, there's something more going on. That's your opportunity to get into their life. Not to invade it in a bad way, but to be there for them to strengthen them. You need to take charge of your household. Kids, you need to share with your parents. Speak to them in a loving and respectful way. But we need to have those communication lines open so that when the enemy decides to come knocking at our door, we're ready to face them as one family and to navigate through these times. And, and, and once again, we can't be ignorant to this. In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, we read that, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Now, it doesn't say that the devil wants to come around and give you a bad hair day, wants to mess up your traffic, wants to give you that bad day where you forgot something at home. No, he's seeking to devour and ruin. Don't, be a, don't dumb it down. Don't be afraid to face it head on. We're facing an enemy that would love nothing more than to destroy our lives. This is the perfect opportunity we have to be fully aware, eyes wide open, ready to go, preparing our family before the storm and the attack comes. Look, if nothing comes to your doorstep for a long time, no harm, no foul. You're not wasting anything by preparing your family. You're strengthening yourself. You're going to get closer to God. You're going to get a better understanding for yourself and for your family. But that day when it does come, you are ready. So the first thing we need to do is prepare our families. Well, we're not called to do life alone. We're not called to just take on these problems alone. Well, the second thing I want to look at is encouraging through the trials. That's my second point, encouraging through the trials. So I I specifically picked the word through for a reason. I didn't say encourage each other in, during. It's through. We have to get all the way through this journey. And when, when we look at that, man, that's easy to say, but is it really easy to do? If something lasts one day, eh, I might even be able to get through that on my own strength, maybe. But what happens when something lasts a week, a month, a year? It continues on. Can I show that strength to encourage that person in my life through this trial? Well, I know in Galatians Chapter 6, we read in verses 1 and 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Rather, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Well, look, I can't control what a single member in my house does, whether it's an adult child my wife, one of my children that's still growing up, I can't control people. I can guide them, I can lead them, I can prepare them, and I can give expectations on what I would like in my household, but at the end of the day, I can't control them. But what I can do is I can encourage them. Now, I'll tell you what, I'm not telling anybody out there to be an enabler. That's not what I'm saying. If a family member is going through a trial, they're going through a problem, your spouse, your child, your parent, a cousin, an uncle, whatever it is, you don't have to enable what they're going through. You can let them know that what they're doing is wrong. But at the end of the day, I can tell them I'm here to encourage them. I'm here to pray for them. I'm here to lift them up. I'm here to strengthen them. 
My job is not to stomp them down. The world will take care of that. My job is to lift them up and encourage them. Now, it doesn't say to take away all their burdens, but it does say that we have to help them with their burdens to gently get them back on. Well, you know what? Maybe the burden you can help them carry is even just a spiritual burden. Maybe all you can do for them right now because they've pushed you away, but I can pray for you. You can't stop me from praying for you. You can't stop me from believing that God's going to do something in your life. So you know what? Maybe in this season, I'm going to continue to pray for you. You know what? I've had people, friends, family members cuss me out when I've tried to help them. Okay, I can take it personal or I can let it roll off my back, keep carrying on, and I'm going to pray for you. Because at the end of the day, whether or not you come around under my watch or under my time, Ultimately, it's God who's going to get the glory for you coming around and saving your life. So we need to encourage each other through these trials. Learn how to carry that burden for somebody. Maybe there's a family member or a friend that, for a time being, they need help with family stress. Maybe they need help with their kids because they're alone. Maybe you can help take their kids to school. Maybe with your child, you could sit down and help them with their homework because they're struggling. And you're killing two birds with one stone. You're helping them out with their school, and you're building relationship and trust with them. So we need to remember that whatever that burden may be, we learn to carry each other's burdens to help get through the trial, not just in, during, but through to the other side where things will be healed and better. Well, let me tell you what. Just a quick handle to remember in those times is that we need to encourage each other through the struggles, not just point out the problem. Because Most people, not all, but most, when they're going through a struggle, they know they're in a bad place. They know they're going through something wrong. Now, you acknowledge to them that you see what's going on in their lives, but you're not there to just point out the problem. You're not just there to say, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. Why don't instead you show them what they can do right? Why don't you encourage them about what they could change in their life? Don't only take the problem and shove it on them. The world's doing plenty of that on its own. They need someone to lift them up, strengthen them, encourage them, speak life into them, and let them know that God is there for them and that also you are there for them. And you're not going to let them fall away. Not on my watch. Thing is, you may stumble. You may get knocked down every once in a while. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to go down swinging. I'm going to go down fighting because nobody's going to come into my house, mess with my family without me at least being a part of that and having something to do with it. So you may knock me down, but I'm going to get back up. So that's what we need to remember. Now, as we're getting ready to wrap this up, I want to share a couple more points with you guys, but I want to take one little moment. We're going to jump into the Old Testament for a minute because I want to look at the life of one of the historical figures in the Bible and how he handled a family situation. And that's in the book of Genesis, chapter 45, if you want to turn there, jump on wherever you got it. And we're going to look at the life of Joseph for one moment and and a key point. Now, just a brief synopsis of Joseph's life because it's an amazing one. He was, the, at the time, the youngest son of Jacob. He was born in his older age, and he was, jo- he was Jacob's favorite. Well, that meant Joseph was spoiled a little bit. He showed him more love, more care, more concern. So what did that mean to all his other brothers? They couldn't stand him. He was the youngest brother. He would go tell daddy when they did something wrong. He got the beautiful coat of all colors, and he had his daddy's favoritism upon his life. In fact, he was even given dreams and visions by God that all of his family would be bowing before him. And what does he do? Well, he goes and tells them. So what do you think that does? 
That makes them hate him all the more. They were jealous of him. Their pride was taking over. They just had greed, anger, everything towards him. So what they do? They sold him into slavery and told his dad that he died. Well, read, read his life in the book of Genesis. It's amazing. But jumping forward many, many years later, he's gone through many more trials. He's been thrown in prison, wrongfully accused of different crimes that he never committed. And yet God was still faithful and with him. He sat in prisons and was still used by God in prison. He was able to be raised up to where he was even described as the father of Pharaoh. He was raised up to be the second most powerful man in Egypt. And that wasn't all. He was given a vision by God that there was going to be a seven-year famine. So what did he do? He prepared before that so that he could bless many families and he could keep nations alive. That's how much God used him. Well, jumping, jumping forward to, verse, uh, to chapter 45, we're going to read uh, four verses out of there, four through eight. This is when his brothers have come to him now twice, looking for food and looking for help for their family, or they're going to die. He gave them instructions. They didn't follow it. Now, here they are before him. Their lives are in his hands. They have no idea who he is because they haven't seen him in years, and he looks like an Egyptian lord ruling over them. And finally, picking up in verse 4, he can take no more. Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, just a quick moment. Do you think any of those brothers were already getting ready to blame each other for that? That you're standing in front of this Egyptian Lord, and he just revealed to you that I'm your brother, Joseph, and reminding them that you sold into slavery. And he continues on. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity, posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Well, the third point I want to look at today is don't make the family the enemy. You know, you all, people, we can always say, oh, I wouldn't make my family the enemy until you're in the middle of a situation with a family member. And you take it personal. And I get it. Maybe you've had a situation. Maybe somebody, like I mentioned before, cursed you out, yelled at you, told you all these things about you. That all of a sudden, you start thinking, oh, so it's against me. It's about me. Oh, oh, you're the enemy against my life because you're bringing all these problems to me now. And all of a sudden, you drive that wedge in between you and this family member instead of realizing nobody is winning in this case except the real enemy. And it's not your family member. It's the one who's manipulating and on their life and oppressing them right now. You cannot allow that to happen. Well, look at Joseph. He had the perfect opportunity. I mean, think about it. He's sitting there. They don't know who he is. He could have had them taken out and killed if he wanted to. He could have told them, go away. I'll give you nothing and let their families starve. But he could take it no more to where he called his brothers to him and told them, I'm not angry with you. Don't be angry with yourselves for it is God who put me here and made me go through all this. You see, he realized his brothers didn't hate him in the flesh as Joseph. What he realized is their anger, their greed, their pride, their envy, all these things welled up these emotions. And what they actually hated at the end of the day was the favoritism their father was pouring out, not Joseph himself. If Joseph was, if Joseph was treated just like the rest of them, 
Why would they have hated him? And so he realized it wasn't me. That was allowed in your lives to look towards me so God could use me for a greater purpose and be in a place where he needed me to be. Can we do that within our own families? Can we see that family member, that person we love, that person that I want to be there for? And if they're going through a rough time and maybe they're lashing at me, but can I look at it and say, it's not about me and I'm not going to make it about me. I'm going to keep it on you. I'm going to keep the focus on you. I'm going to keep the support on you. I'm going to keep the prayer on you. And I'm not going to make you the enemy because you're the one that needs God's hand to come in your life. And if I make myself the enemy and now the fight's between you and me, now we're both excluding God from the equation. And that's not going to work out good for anybody. So taking the example from Joseph, don't make the fight about each other. Keep the fight out there. You know, I use the example when at work and we're going to these emergency calls, especially if I got a rookie, I got a new person on the truck and they're getting all excited. They're getting all wound up. I said, whoa, time out. This is not your emergency. It's theirs. Don't make it your emergency because then it becomes our problem. Same thing in your family. When a fight comes and it's affecting one person, don't drag it into all of you. Keep it towards them and out of your family and keep giving it to God and letting him strengthen and letting him come through that on you. So use the example of Joseph. Well, the other thing that is beautiful in this story is what I want to use for the fourth point, and that is we have to be in this for the long haul, that we have to be in this for the long haul. You see, as you read through the book of Genesis and the story about Joseph, this didn't happen over a year, over two years. It happened over the majority of his lifetime, from the time he was a teenager till he was a grown man, to the point where he had his own family, and his father had moved on thinking he was dead, and his brothers now had families. This was years gone by. He could have sat there and said, I'm done with these people. They don't remember me. They don't know who I am in this moment. Let me give them what they need, send them on their way, and I'm done with them. But Joseph didn't do that. Joseph said, I'm in this for the long haul. And, and like I said earlier at the very beginning, and I use that illustration for a, week, uh, a reason, you know what? You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. Look, you inherited them. Whether or not you like them, my family members from the day I'm born to the day I die are my family members. That will not change. That we are attached, whether I like it or not. We're a part of one another, whether I choose it or not. And I have to understand that we're in this for the long haul. Well, I tell my wife and my kids, I hope you like me because you're stuck with me because I'm not going anywhere. But my, my children are my children, whether they're 10, 20, 50. They're my children. Yeah, they'll be adults. They'll do their own thing. But I'm in this for the long haul. I, I, I tell them all the time, I pray that I grow to be an old man just so I can annoy you guys and pay you back for all the sleepless nights you gave me growing up. Payback's a beautiful thing. But we're in this for the long haul. And, and let me tell you what, just like I mentioned before, if something goes on for a week, a month, whatever, that's cool. But what happens when that child has stepped away from God and gone wayward? Maybe they have a drug problem. Maybe a family member has a money problem. Maybe they have a pornography problem. Maybe something in their life is dragging them away from God. Maybe something in their life is placing hurt on your whole family, and they've stepped away from God. And you keep praying, and you keep believing. And that month turns into that year, and that year turns into five years. Can you still have that same faith, that same belief, that same strength to know that I am not going to give up, I'm going to keep fighting for you. I am not going to let the enemy win. Can we do that? Because we're in this for the long haul. 
Well, that's exactly what Joseph did. Joseph sat there and said, I'm not going to let my brothers get away. I can take this no longer. Come to me. I'm going to show you guys that I don't harbor hatred towards you. I don't harbor resentment because I saw the bigger picture that God gloriously showed himself throughout my life and you had to play that key part in it whether you wanted to or not. That it was your actions that led to where I am today and God meant it for good. You see, Joseph was able to save entire nations, not just his own family, but the glory out of his life impacted a major region of the world to keep those whole areas alive. And now maybe none of us will ever be at that level, but I love the beautiful picture that was painted nonetheless by the love that he poured out. You see, if one of us goes through a minor problem and it lasts for, let's say, a week or something like that, and we come back together and we get rid of that problem and we come back together as a family unit, everybody's happy, we are excited. But you know what, especially in America, we love those underdog stories. We love those movies where it's going to be a happy ending, where you see somebody go through all this stuff, but you know at the end of the day, it's going to be a happy ending because that's what we need. We need, that, we need that glory story in every part of our life because it gives us encouragement. Well, let me tell you what. Find somebody in your life because they're out there, a friend, another family member, who has gone through just that kind of trial. See the glory of God and the story that appeared in their life and got them through this whole situation. They're out there, and maybe you're one of them. Don't hold back. Share that story with other people. God let you go through that, not to just talk about it amongst your family, but to use that as an encouragement for other people, to strengthen other families. Don't shut down your house that, hey, me and my house, we serve the Lord, the rest of you on your own. No, no, no. Me and my family, we serve the Lord, and serving the Lord means reaching out to others. Don't allow something like COVID to shut down your house, shut down your doors and say, I'm safe. My family's not only safe physically, but we're safe spiritually. The rest of you guys... You're on your own. No. I want to use the stories in my life. I want to hear the stories in your lives. I want to see the stories of everybody in our church who has opened up and allowed the glory of God to come shining into their families and use that as an encouragement to others. Just like when we were told in the, in, in the New Testament that when we bury something, yeah, we can dig it up years later, but that wasn't a good investment. That when God gives something in your hand, he's not only talking about monetarily. He's talking about spiritually. God has put something in your hand, in your life, in your family. And you want to make that treasure even more beautiful? Share it with others. Impact other lives. Joseph's love and attention and care impacted an entire nation and an entire region of the world. And yes, at the end of the day, healed and rescued his entire family, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So I want you guys to think about that today. Maybe you're going through that. Maybe you have that family member that's been wayward. I'm going to encourage you today. If you have that child, that husband, that wife, that parent, that uncle, I don't care who it is, they've been wayward. Today, hit your knees, pray, believe, do not give up. I tell you, have that strength, have that encouragement, knowing that as long as you are doing your part, you do not stop, you keep going, you keep believing. What a beautiful glory story it's going to be, whether one year, five years, ten years, I don't care how long. But when that person comes back to the Lord and you can give all the glory to God and he can look down on you as a son or daughter and say, you never gave up, you encouraged them, you prayed for them, and you believed in them, knowing that God can do anything in your family. Can you live and lead with that kind of faith today?
in your home and with the family that you love around you. So I want you guys to be encouraged today, to be strengthened today. You don't navigate life alone. I pray that you remember we have to prepare for the storms that are going to come. We have to encourage each other through the trials. Do not make your family members the enemy of you. And ultimately, remember that we're in this for the long haul. Well, maybe today you're out there watching and you're like, man, that sounds awesome. That sounds great. But I'm doing this under my own strength. You keep mentioning God and Jesus and their strength, but I don't have that. But maybe you want it. Well, it's free to you. If that's you today and you're out there and you're watching and you're saying, I've been doing this under my own strength, so I can only go so long and then I'm about out of gas and I can't do it anymore. Well, today I want to provide that opportunity for you to receive that gift, to receive that relationship with the God who made you so that he no longer becomes a creator to you, but also a father to you. And that's so simple. It's a free gift that he gave to everybody. You see, if you've never heard the gospel before, it's real easy. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down to earth in human form to live as one of us. He hung on a cross as the ultimate sacrifice for every single one of us so that you don't have to worry about what you're going to do to get to heaven other than to put your belief and your faith and your strength in him. But not only did he die on a cross for us and took on our sins, but the beauty of it is they thought he was dead and they laid him in a tomb, but three days later he said, I'm done, I'm waking up, and I'm going home. And he went back up into heaven and he rose from the dead. And he commissioned each one of us who believe in him to go out and spread this gospel. And that's what we're doing today. We're sharing it with you wherever you're watching from. So if that is you, if you want that, you want to know that God is going to live in you. You want that eternal salvation. You want to know that your name is written in heaven to be with God. And you want to know that you have access to the most powerful strength in the entire universe. Well, it's as simple as receiving it today. So if that is you, wherever you're watching from, wherever you are, unless you're in the car, don't take your hands off the wheel. But if you're at home, I don't care. Raise your hand. Say that you want to receive that glory and that gift of Jesus Christ in your life. You want relationship with your Father and your Creator in heaven. And if that is you today, I want you to pray a simple prayer. You're not praying to me. I'm just facilitating it. You're praying to God as you start this new walk and this new relationship with Him. So wherever you are, let's just pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for my life. Jesus, I thank you for the gift of salvation. I thank you for new life. I want you to live in me. I want to be with you. And I want to follow you all the days of my life. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. And you're my God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. So I am so excited. I pray that you guys were encouraged today. I pray that you came into relationship. If you did, we want to be a part of your journey. Text decided to 33222. This is an online campus. We have pastors, leaders, team members that would love to connect with you. You're not going to do life alone. Not only do you have God, but you have this church as part of your family. So I hope you were encouraged today. Let's go out and make a difference in this world. Be there for each other as a family. Let's love on each other, strengthen each other, knowing that we can build an internal strength that can withstand those external forces. So guys, have an amazing Sunday. We love you. We thank you. God bless you all.